Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, chaplain, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. Now we might come back and think, because remember, one of the things that Jesus said was, the angels in heaven don't know when I'm returning. Even I don't know, only the Father in heaven. And so we might think, oh, the Father has given him this book, this revelation, so that he will now know when he's returning. Except, this doesn't give us a timetable and does not give us the date of his return. I wish I could tell you it was May 21st coming up this year, but that's not so. It's not given. We don't know the day or the hour. Of course, my old pastor, Brother Patterson, said, I'm the only person that knows the exact coming of Christ. I know exactly when Christ is coming. And I always, he said, it's midnight. Because somewhere in the world, it'll be midnight. So now you, can, now you know exactly when Christ is coming. He's coming at midnight because somewhere in the world, it'll be midnight. That's about as close as we can get. Somewhere in the world, you can say 6 o'clock and it'll be 5 o'clock. Somewhere in the world, when he comes, that's what time it'll be. But he is coming in his glory. He's not coming like he came in the first time. They're going to see the brightness. And the Father did not give him this book so that he would know when he was coming because when he was taken back into heaven... He took off this humanity and what he had limited himself in being obedient to the cross and being obedient, he took all of that on and he takes his deity back and his omniscience back. He knows exactly when he's coming. So people that say, oh, no, no, he didn't know. He doesn't know when he's coming. He has the whole revelation. He knows all things. But I think that this book reveals more than that. Because not only do we see him, oh, and I, by the way, I wanted to get into some of the names that it calls him. And then we're going to see all that the Father has promised the Son, because I really believe that's what this is about. This is the fulfillment of the Father giving to the Son all that he has promised because he is an obedient Son. But think about him. His name. Now, I've looked at all of the sevens. We talk about the seven churches. I've got seven messages on sevens. Seven messages to the seven churches. One message to the seven churches of the seven bowls, of the seven trumpets, of the seven vials, and all of these things. And so I started looking at for seven names of Jesus. However, there's much more here in this book. Because... We see him in various images, but he is called here the risen, glorified Son of God among the churches. He's called the Lamb of Heaven, publicly invested with authority to carry out the judgments on men. He comes on earth as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and he has that name. He is Christ the Messiah. He is the judge at the great white throne. He is the Lamb upon the throne of God. And it says he 
is I, Jesus, the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who was and who, who is and who was and who is to come. He is the Almighty. He is the first and the last. He is the Son of Man. He is He who lives. He who holds the seven stars in His right hand, who walks amidst the seven golden lampstands. He who has the sharp two-edged sword. He is Son of God. He is He whose eyes like a flame of fire and has feet like brass. All of those ideas, all of those visions of those word pictures goes on. It says He is He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He is He who is holy. He who is true. He who has the key of David. He who is the Amen. The faithful and true witness of the beginning of the creation of God. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lord holy and true. The Lord God Almighty. The King of the saints and the Word of God. Those were just some of the terms and some of the names that I found for Jesus in this book. Just right here. Measure up. And what does that give you in the word pictures? For He is all of this. He is the center of the book. He is the circumference of the Bible. He is covering all of this. He is the top and He's the bottom. He's the beginning. He's the inside, the outside. He's the in and the under. He has all that there is. There is no more. The heavens are opened in this book. We see this vision of Jesus Christ not in His humility, not in His human form, but kind of like Stephen, when he was stoned and about to expire, remember he had a vision of Christ in His glory sitting next to the Father. We never see Jesus in humiliation again. Not like what we saw in the Gospels on the cross. He comes in power, in glory. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave Him. You see, this book was given to Jesus Christ. I, I don't know how many times I've read that and read over that and it never dawned on me. The book of Revelation is revealing Jesus Christ and it comes from the Father and is given to the Son. I always thought it was given to the churches. That's not so. It was given to the Son. Why? Because... The Son was obedient to the plan of the Father. Consider how a, a Son who had been a good Son, an obedient Son, and now the Father comes and He says, Son, I'm going to give you the inheritance. Here's everything I've promised you. That's what this book is. Because it is the source of divine truth that God which gave Him to Jesus Christ. It is that now as he had limited himself in his knowledge, as he had limited himself in his humiliation, as he had given all of these things, it now shows the full inheritance that he receives. It now shows that in this sense he's going to get all that is coming to him in his glorification. The Father says, now son, here it is. It's all written up. It's in full view. And it's handed to him. It's yours. In this sense, that 
is exactly what God has done in the book of Revelation. We're eavesdropping on a conversation between the Father and the Son. God gave it to us. It's for Him. God is the source. Jesus is the recipient. And it's the awesome, glorious, wonderful story of what's about to happen. You know, the resurrection was the Father's first work. It was the down payment of the inheritance. It was the first token. It was the, the resurrection of Jesus that brought him up and God raised him from the dead. The second evident token of the Father's pleasure was the ascension of Christ where he took him to heaven and he is seated where? At the right hand of the Father. He's seated at the right hand. And then the third token of the Father's pleasure was that He answered the Son's prayer by giving the Holy Spirit to indwell His churches, the redeemed and the loved. And here's the last token of the book. The last token is this book. It outlines everything that's going to come to Him. Really, Philippians chapter 2, it says it, that even though Jesus Christ existed in the form of God, He didn't regard... Equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. There's his humiliation. Then immediately, verse 9 says, Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. That is, by the way, the name Lord. He is now Lord of all. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, those verses are played out in the book of Revelation. We see that revealed now he's going to get all of it. We're really privileged to be able to look in this and see it. That the Father leaves the inheritance to the Son and it's not going to be precisely maybe as we would think of it, but it, you know what? Sometimes a will is done, it's sealed. Maybe it's kept in a vault in a lawyer's office or something. And then on the death, then the seals are broken. We're going to see the seals broken in this book. We're going to see all of those things opened up and revealed. And sometimes nobody is allowed to look at a will until after the death of a person. But let me tell you that now the Father has given to Jesus Christ all of the beautiful truths. And they're wonderfully opened up. And the title deed is there for us. Hi. This is Paul Thomas. Sorry to interrupt your listening. Permit us to take a moment to let you know how you can contact us at School of Ministry. You can now reach us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Thank you for tuning in. Now, back to the message. So that's the next point in this introduction. God is the divine author of this revelation of Jesus Christ, which is given to Him. But who are the human recipients? What does it say? Which God gave Him to show His servants. 
The word is bond slaves there. Paul uses that term a lot. There are other Greek terms. There's about six different Greek words that we would translate as slave or servant. And here it refers back to something in the Old Testament that when someone loved their master, when they were indebted to someone, they would go and they would serve off that, their debt. They would serve that person. But then when they loved that person, they could stay on as a servant. And they would say, I love you, I want to stay. Then the master would take the earlobe and put it up against the wooden door jamb and run it all through the ear. They would pierce the ear. It's interesting because at one point, Jesus, in the Psalms, it says that Jesus' ear was pierced because of his love for the Father. Because of his love, he became obedient as a servant. Well, you see, that's the word now that this is given to show his servants. Those of us that have the ears pierced, those who know that this book isn't just written to everyone, this book is not written for just anyone to see, and that's why the world is talking about, oh, we don't know what's coming, we don't know. And the book of Revelation might seem scary to some. The book of Revelation might seem like, oh, what a mess this is. But let me tell you that it is a beautiful unveiling to the servants of God. It is that beautiful unveiling of all of those things. What's that bondservant, the doulos? That's the word here. And it means that slave and it means that one that has brought their life into a place where we know that out of love, we're saying, Lord, I love you. And here he doesn't give us a puzzle, he gives us the unveiling. It's not a servant that says, look, I love you, I'll serve you because I have a debt. It's a servant who says, I love you because of your great love toward me. I'm a bond slave, I serve you out of love, not duty. I'm a bond slave, I'm bonded willingly to my master. Those are the kinds of people who will understand the book. Those are the kind of people who will see it. It's not a maze. It's not something that's, that's uh, scrambled. It is unveiled. It is revealed. It's there. The truths are right here. And maybe, and I hope that as we go through and study this, that your spirits will be like those that walked on the road to Emmaus when the Lord walked with them. And it says, we're not our spirits stirred within. I hope as we go through this book that your spirits are stirred within. There was a time when the disciples came to Jesus in Matthew 13 and they asked, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus said, I speak to them in parables because seeing while seeing they do not see and while hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. While we might be on that kind of a page, he gives us, as his disciples, he says, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Why? Because we are those bondservants. This is a book for Christians. This is a book not for worldly Christians, but Christians who are sold out. Many can't understand it. It is a book of prophecy. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must take place shortly. 
amazing. They are to show the things that must take place shortly. Now, we're going to have to pick up on that. <laughs> we're going to have to look at that a little more because that means when it starts happening, it happens very quickly. We talked about there were four chapters in the Gospels that deal with the first 30 years of Jesus' life. There are 13 chapters that deal with the last week of His life. There are three and a half years that most of this book deals with. A very short time. And what we see is that these things happen when it, when it happens, it happens quickly. One, two, three, four, five. It begins right away. And so that's what he's saying here, that when it happens, they must take place shortly. He's not saying, well, it's going to happen right away because this book was penned in A.D. 96. If quickly is 2,000 years, then we have a different idea of short. <laughs> we have a different idea, a different concept of that. But its truths are bittersweet because we see in this that even though we flow, we see that the theme of the future glory is the main theme. The future glory of Jesus is the main emphasis. And we see running along in this future, the unveiling of the glory of Christ. We see also the destruction of sin. We see the destruction of Satan and of his demons and sinners. It predicts the coming and in detail the coming of Jesus Christ and the glory and the way that saints are going to share in the glory. But it also tells us of the damnation of sinners. So the truths are bittersweet. It tells the end of the world. It's a book of judgment. It's a book of doom. It's the end of human history. It's the end of sinners. The dark side of the picture is that never for one moment does God conceal that. He does not hide what's going to happen. It's too fully revealed. God is just, as we know. Sin must be punished. Impenitence, rebellion, the ultimate misery and defeat, the disaster, the death, the eternal judgment, all of these things also are revealed. It is a book of prophecy. There's no sentiment in this book. It's not a sentimental book. It's heart-wrenching. It is disturbing because there is no weak tolerance for evil. He is coming again as the great Almighty, and this world is facing judgment. Here we find a God of love who will dwell among men, wipe away all tears, abolish death and abolish sorrow and abolish pain. But before that, He sends His enemies to a place of sorrow, of pain and death where tears are unimaginable. So there's no hiding the dark side of the glory of Christ. A brighter day is coming. But there's thunder before the dawn. We look into the future and we go back at this ancient book written in AD 96 and we see the future because the man was there. John the Apostle was there transported by visions and in all of those things we see this about to take place. It should move us. It ought to move us. And as we learn this and as we see this, 
It ought to move us that there is no hope for those outside of Christ. Therefore, it moves us out of compassion to pluck them from the flames, to draw them out, to witness to those loved ones. That's why we've got cards. Just send a card. I send out cards to my family in Texas, the Bay Area. They're not going to be able to come, but I want them to listen because I want them to be saved. I want them to know Christ is Savior. I want them to be part of the glorious side, not the horrid side. And both sides are shown in this book. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all laid out. It's all clear and plain. There is a wonderful river of life with our Lord, but there is a fiery pit of damnation. Both sides. Which side are you on? Which side will you be? Where do we stand? Where do you stand? Are you a servant? That bomb slave that's had their ear pierced because you love the Lord and you're going to go forward to Jesus Christ and do all that you can to give Him the honor and the glory. That's rightfully His. It's an exciting book. I hope that you'll tell somebody this week that, oh, you've got to come and hear because we got through one verse. We got through one verse. Even then, I bet you get done sooner. We got through one verse, and we have so much to see. I hope that I can just give you an overview of the truths, of the glories, of the great things that God has. The revelation of Jesus Christ from God, which he will show also to his servants. These things must happen shortly. They're coming. We don't know exactly when, but they're coming. And it is absolutely sure that it's coming sooner than later. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.